Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I loved this episode. Holy smokes. I got to talk to Jessica Marks, who is a sales coach, and this was one of the top performing Instagram lives and Facebook lives that I think we ever did because it's so full of actionable advice to take for your business when it comes to selling successfully and confidently your creative services. Enjoy the episode. Kiss My Aesthetic Entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, brand designer, creative, and social media junkie, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. And I'm here to share strategies, hacks, and know-how on branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship for the online-minded small business owner. In this podcast, I'll be sharing interviews, solo episodes, and even more to help you up-level your brand by turning your visions into visuals and connecting with your ideal audience online. Let's get to today's episode. We started off in the Instagram Live talking a lot about how creatives can fall into this whole black hole abyss of either undercharging for the creative work, doubting themselves when it comes to sales, charging hourly and not charging enough. And then sometimes they get kind of either bullied or persuaded into working for friends or family for free, working for exposure. This, I mean, I have many opinions about how damaging this is for the creative community, but from a sales perspective and just income and profitability perspective, what is your hot take on doing work for exposure or friends or family for free? Yes. Okay. So I always tell my clients and this, I implemented this in my business well, it, as well, friends and family are not your target market. They're not your clients. They're not going to want to pay full price, whether they see the value or not. It just becomes a difficult area to go into as a business owner. Now, as far as working for free for exposure, they, you need to be really strategic about this. So when you first start a business, you do. You have to put in the work. You're going to work for less than you normally would in the future. I, If I look back at my hourly rate when I first started, there is no way I would do that now, but that's what you got to do to get the testimonials, to get the experience. So if you're just starting out, yes. Now, if you're somebody that's a little more well-established and some opportunities come along, you need to really weigh what could this potentially do for your business? Does the partnership align? Is this somebody that could be a really great referral source for you moving forward? And does it make sense that you can volunteer or donate your time in order to, in exchange for that exposure in your business? Absolutely. Alex McGinnis, who we just talked about on the Instagram portion with the Oracle deck, she goes, this is exactly the question I needed answered. And then tax savvy Jessica says she only does free work for her parents in exchange for unlimited babysitting. Yes. (laughs) So that's an example of maybe where you would do work where it's mutually beneficial for both parties. Yes. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've had people that I know and friends and family that have reached out and said, can you help me with my business? And I'm more than willing to give them like just high level insight. I don't want to do a deep dive or any of that, but I would never take them on as a retainer client. Yeah, I think having those limits in place is really important. And I I see this a lot with my clients when we're doing brand design is that there's a tendency that when somebody starts a business that they want to brand it for themselves. They want to brand it to their personal style, their own aesthetic, their own values. And what that's doing is it's not really always connecting with the ideal client either. So it's a slippery slope, especially when you get into social media marketing, when everyone wants to, you know, post their 
even their vacation photos. Maybe this is a good example. You took a vacation, a much deserved one, and posted the most amazing photos, but they were for a reason as well, as far as part of your marketing, that's part of your story of how you help entrepreneurs reach this level so that they can take a vacation and actually enjoy their life. I'm leaving for Mexico in like T minus two hours, and <laughs> I'm gonna go do a vacation. So how do you kind of bridge that gap of like, I think you what you do really well in your social media is you work hard, play hard, and that you've got this good balance and that the whole point of working for ourselves is to have the work-life balance that we're after. Yeah. Um, my question was going to be about CEO mindset because I know you do like a CEO Monday and you help people kind of identify like the difference between working on your business and in your business. Can you speak yeah. to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the creative space or the coaching space, you put out so much work and you put out so much content and you're constantly helping people grow their businesses or the design work that oftentimes we forget to actually work on our business. And what I mean by that is if you are a solopreneur or you are a small, small business owner, you wear multiple hats. You're the marketing person. You're the financial person. You're the in charge of email email campaigns, um, you name it. And so if you let all that stuff build up and you don't pay attention to it and you don't handle it and you're not keeping your P&Ls up to date or you're not planning out your content or social media, whatever it is, you're not going to continue to get clients and grow and scale and the prospective leads aren't going to continue to come in or you're going to have a complete shit show, excuse my uh, French, but behind the business where the you don't actually know what you're making or how profitable you are because you're not paying attention to those financials. Absolutely. So important to keep tabs on kind of all the pieces and parts. And we talked about that a little bit on Instagram of how, like, again, to bring up the hourly thing is like your hourly most often is not actually a true reflection of all the hours you're putting into it, right? And I think you notice this a lot, or at least I do with entrepreneurs that are in their first like one to two years of business, that they kind of are maybe disillusioned or not taking into consideration all the pieces and parts that come to running a, not only a business, but a profitable one. Yeah. Um, and I know you launched a program specific to these people who are in this first like one to two year kind of category because you saw a need for it. Can you kind of tell us the whole story of how your female founders club came about as through the networking community? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, early on was looking for a networking group, which is so important if you're watching this and you don't have a networking group or a mastermind that you're a part of, you need to find one because this is not only a great lead generator for your business, but it's also can really help you grow as an entrepreneur. If they have educational events, um, it can build your connections. So rule number one, join a networking group and find a good one. I had to go to a couple before I found one that was actually really beneficial. Now, my original vision for the company was to only coach clients one-on-one -on -one at a certain level, multiple six figures. The networking group that I went to and I really liked, I was connecting with women and they wanted to hire me, but they were brand new to business. And morals play a huge, uh, they are my compass in my business. And so for me, you don't have the money to invest or you don't have the money to afford. I don't want to take you as a client. I'll give you some tips, tricks to get to where you can. And so what I decided was instead of saying this networking group isn't right for me because there's a lot of women here that can't afford their two, that their business is in such an infancy stage, I decided to say, how can I make this program that's approachable for new business owners, 
but also makes sense for me from a business perspective and is lucrative. And I was finding that a lot of group programs out there are massive. They're taking 100 people, 200 people. You're just another number to this coach. And I, I know that doesn't deliver results. And I wasn't about to put out a course or anything like that where these entrepreneurs, they don't want to figure it out themselves. If they could figure it out themselves, they'd they would have done it. Yeah, they need the accountability. They need the community. They need the group. They need the support. They need to be able to ask an expert every single week, how do I do this in my business? Or how can I grow my sales? Or here's an update. And so I created the Female Founders Club. It's definitely evolved over the last two years into what it is today. I keep it very small. Um, the results that come out of this group are incredible. We've had women that started working with me last year who had just launched their business, had zero to little revenue, and a couple of them are on track to do between three and 400000 this year. Now, could they have gotten there at some point in their business on their own? Maybe, but it's definitely fast tracking it when you invest in your business, whether it be into brand design, website, a coach, whatever it may be. When you make that investment, it's just helping you get there a lot faster and with a strategic plan in place. So I highly encourage all of you to do market research constantly. And how can you fill a gap in the market? How can you fill a void? And always start with what does the client need or the customer need, and then reverse engineer and build your programs or service offerings off of that. I'm going to let my dog out. You're totally fine. I'll, I'll okay. kind of roll this into a story. So this is exactly how I came up with my mini brand design service. Because similar to you, maybe about a year, year and a half ago, I was only offering one service and it was full service brand design and it was everything soup to nuts. And it was higher price point. And I was working with a clientele that had the money, but didn't have any business sense and they weren't scrappy. And I realized I really like working with people that are scrappy and kind of have this, this social media minded scrappy attitude. Like they love posting on social. They have super engaged communities. Like that's my common thread of my best clients. And so Mackenzie Newcomb came to me with this idea. She was running a side hustle called bad bitch book club. And I was like, Oh my God, I freaking want to do that branding. That sounds like a dream. And she's like, Hey, uh, I don't have the budget to work with you, but I really love your style. And I think you would kill it. And I was like, okay, crap. Like here we are, right? Like you don't want to take a job undervalue yourself by like working at a lower budget. So instead I said, okay, well, what is your budget? Let's work backwards. What is your budget for this project? It's a side hustle. I totally get that. And like, let's see where that could go. And so we started with her budget and then I came up with a service based on her budget and we finished her branding in 16 days. Like she had a logo, she launched a merch shop, her community has exploded. She now hosts virtual book clubs with the author of the books that everyone, the 6,000 members are reading. So now you have to pay to be in the Zoom to be with the author. Like she's just crushing, right? And so this job that I maybe would have passed on because it didn't have my minimum budget requirement has now blossomed into one of my biggest clients because I've been able to grow with her and like help her along the way and offer things that help her based on where she was. So I think that that's the other thing is like, sometimes there is kind of that cost benefit analysis, right? Of like, here, I'm going to take on this, this service that I don't offer. But then I took that model and said, okay, this really works for this like millennial prototype that I love. Like, I really love her as a client. Like, it's so fun to work on her stuff. It's really eye catching. It's bold. And now that's my brandini. My mini brand design service is my most popular service. So now that one, of course, the price is raised over time, but that fills the gap versus it's not the whole brand design. It's just kind of like, 
here's the basics. And that one does super well. So another thing of like keeping tabs on what your ideal client wants or offering something, doing a pivot can be super beneficial. Absolutely. And one other thing, and it's important for like with what you've created and anybody, women, mostly women, because men think big picture and they they see dollar signs and they go after it. But women think about the initial sale. They're like, I just got to get this client or I just got to get somebody to sign a contract. And they're so focused on that one sale that they're not thinking about the lifetime value of what this client could be. And what I mean by that is if I look back at to these women who started in Female Founders Club paying a couple hundred dollars a month, if I would have focused on they're just a couple hundred dollars a month for the next couple months and then I've got to, you know, work on bigger, bigger contracts to get. Instead, I focus on how do I build a program where I'm generating enough revenue in my clients' businesses to where in the middle of their one-year contract, they come to me and say, I've outgrown this program. I want to work with you one-on-one. And I've had a lot of women do that. So it's a lead generator into my one-on-one program. And just to give an example, I have three clients who started off in the Female Founders Club and you know I made income off of that. Then they went to the Elite Entrepreneur for $10,000. They've now committed to Elite 2. Some of them are still on retainer. And so instead of just looking at it like this was a $3,000, $4,000 agreement, I mean, some of these women have paid me close to $30,000 in the last year and a half because they can't imagine not being able to text me all day, every day, and, and have me as an advisor in their business. So really building an infrastructure where it's not just one sell. How do you retain them? How many levels can you get? If they start off with a brand and they start generating revenue, they want to come back to you to get Absolutely. a higher package. Absolutely. And that's the thing too, of like having those different entry points, right? Mm -hmm. Where you can absolutely, then the proof is in the pudding. Then it's like, we had such a great time working together. Why? Like, of course, like your success is my success as a brand designer. I want nothing more than my clients to go out there and crush it because then that's a great reflection of me and what I can do and a great reflection of them. And now with social media, like we can all benefit on each other's traffic. They can have exposure to my audience. There's just so much synergy from every angle. And I think another thing that you talk about is pulling in multiple income streams, right? So you have multiple programs. You, for me, it's like affiliate partnerships as well. And now with the podcast, like there's different layers to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's another thing that creatives, like they can get really limited by or really capped by. It's like, oh, I'm a painter. I do paintings. That's it. And that that, again, like is not a scalable business model by any stretch. So how do you help to encourage people to look into or start at least brainstorming about multiple income streams for their business model? Well, and I think a lot of people learned this year that especially the brands that had to significantly pivot their business because they had one source or one revenue stream and whether that was like an in-person business model and they didn't have anything else to back it up. And then that came to a you know, screeching halt. I not only think you need to have multiple revenue streams within your business, I think you need to have it within your life. Um, and it's something that my husband and I have really focused on. We also own a general construction company. Um, he's also a San Diego City firefighter. So that way, when the market takes a hit or the economy takes a hit, we have other investments that we've um, done. There's other th- ways to supplement. 
And so you want to make sure too, and I had conversations with all of my clients a year ago about recession proofing their business. And Mm. there were some that were like, that's crazy. A recession won't happen. Well, a recession kind of hit overnight in March for a lot of companies and a lot of industries. And so knowing what are some other options that you can pull into your company to sustain and get through. And it also comes down to, you know, having that reserve in place. I think a lot of female entrepreneurs spend every dollar they make, whether it's paying themselves out or, you know, investing in the business or buying a fancy shiny office or whatever it may be. You really need to build up that security blanket. So if you have a down month or something hits or a hurricane or earthquake, whatever it may be, you can still sustain the business long enough until you can get back up and running. It's such a hard lesson for a lot of people to learn. I've got to imagine that you got emergency texts up the wazoo when all of that was going on. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you, um, you know, and I see one of my clients is on the, the call right now. It was, a, it was a roller coaster. There was panic. There was uncertainty. There was, you know, the changes and, and it's, my job to help my clients work through what is plan B, C, D, and maybe even E at this point, how can we pivot? How can we change? And some of my clients who probably should have gone out of business have done exceptionally well. Absolutely. Guy Raz was talking about this on his podcast. Love Guy Raz. And also they were talking about it on the daily. I'm a big podcast listener, as you can tell, but they were talking about how okay, yes, restaurants, concert venues, bars are having a particularly hard time of it. Mm -hmm. But here's the rise of direct-to-consumer. Here's the rise of brand presence, like truly. Like branding is so important now because how you portray yourself online. And for me, like in a way, I've been like training for quarantine for the last six years because I was a digital nomad. I work from home. Like I'm very used to this. Like this is very much like where I was already kind of predicting that things were heading. Even the numbers before the pandemic were saying that by 2030, like 33% of the American workforce will be working remote. Mm -hmm. So it it was kind of where things were headed. But I think, you know, throw in a pandemic and then the the companies that didn't invest in their website, that didn't invest in their brand presence online or the local pizza, the pizza parlor, right? That never, never paid for a website or or uploaded their stuff to an app like Grubhub. Like here of a sudden you just lost sales. Like you lost an opportunity to sustain your business by not paying attention and diversifying your, your brand presence. And like, it sucks, but it's kind of like evolution in a way as well. Right. Um, so anyway, I could talk about this stuff forever, as you could tell. (laughs) And the key there is pay attention. Don't just do pandemics and recessions and, you know, natural disasters. You got to be paying attention to a lot of things. And so if you're a business owner and you just got your blinders on and you're only focused on your business and what you're doing and what, you know, the, what has been working, you will not have a sustainable business because I always use the taxi cab and the Uber analogy. Taxi cabs for a very long time were golden. They were the only oper- the only option out there for, you know, paid transportation where you could, you know, get to and from the airport or whatever it was. They did not invest in innovation. Had they have, and had they had looked at their business model and said, how can we streamline this? How can we make this easier? How can we have less overhead? They would have beat Uber to the punch. But now Uber and Lyft and have all come along and the taxi cabs are basically, other than New York City, going to become extinct. 
And we see this across all kinds of industries. Blockbuster video. Like yeah, that was the that was fun. the hallmark of my childhood, right? Yes. Like going and picking out a movie on a Friday night and like getting a VHS tape. And like now my sister who's 10 years younger, my dad asked her the other day, like, do you know what have you ever been to a blockbuster? She's like, What's that? Like she yeah. didn't even, she's like, I know the term. I didn't know it was a place you could go. Like she had yeah. no idea. So that's even just like, that's not even a generation. That's just a 10 year age gap of siblings, how different the world looks, yeah. right? And the fact that Netflix isn't called Blockbuster should be mind blowing to a lot of people. Like how they didn't realize we could stream this and get rid of every brick and mortar location in America and that overhead. And that's because there's zero innovation to be had. And so if you're a business owner, it's your responsibility to really not only know your market, but the other markets around you that are going to impact your business. Absolutely. All right, I'm going to turn it right on you then. What's okay. something that you think you do particularly well and what's something you want to get better at in your business? So I really think the the biggest, I, I get asked this question a lot, what differentiates uh, you from other coaches in your industry? And it's funny because I think if you ask a marketing expert or a branding person, they would say it's that you built a billion dollar business, a multi-billion dollar business. For me, I think it all comes down to, I care. I yeah. legitimately care. I go outside of the boundaries. I, it's, I jump on calls when I need to jump on calls. I care about my clients' results. I will do whatever it takes. And I'm really, really passionate and it's why I have a high retention rate. It's why I build these incredible relationships with my clients because I don't look at this as a dollar amount. I don't look at it as, you know, for the money. I'm just incredibly passionate and I want to see these women succeed. Where I think I could get better, and my client on the call is probably laugh at this, and you because getting on these is... <laughs> I need an IT department. I'm so bad at all the technical stuff and like the design and all of that. And so I do outsource a lot of it and I do need to get ahead of the curve. Like I can't be using a fax machine. I don't really use a fax machine, but I'm like handwritten. No, I hand write all my client notes. I'm just not on the forefront there. And I know eventually that will catch up to my business if I don't get in front of that because this a lot of this is going to become extinct as we continue to move everything digitally. Then maybe I have two suggestions for you on that. Yeah. One, one <laughs> take notes on the iPad. Like get used to taking notes on the iPad because then you can send it to people and it's all digital already and that's you can get things transcribed, etc. That's okay. the first thing. The second thing, which I started implementing in my business because Google Suite rolled out like that, that you could have the executive privileges during COVID, which allows you to video record your calls. And so for me, video recording my calls with my clients, like their brand discovery calls, then I can send that to my junior designer and say, okay, go start the Pinterest board for this client based on what we talked about in the call. And then I don't have to take notes on top of what I'm already doing. And then that video also gets uploaded in that client's folder so that they can come back to that video and reference it if necessary. And it just becomes this whole ecosystem of digital, which is great because I, I'm similar to you. I like used to be really into the note taking and I had a bajillion journals and sketchbooks and making digitizing everything has been super helpful. So, yes, I do. The, I do record the videos. Because That's good. That's good. Super good. And then you have this huge library, right? You can go back and watch your own calls as your own like training, like your own uh, quarterly review, right? And clients love it too. Clients yeah. really do love having access to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if someone wants to work with you, connect with you, how can they do that? And where can they find you and all of that good stuff? 
So Instagram's my jam. I don't really hang out on Facebook that much. Um, so on Instagram, I'm at the Jessica Marks. Send me a message to let me know you are on this because I do want to connect with all of you as well. And my website's also available in the bio or it's just thejessicamarks.com. Did anybody have any questions? Up? I think there were just comments. People were just okay. loving, loving the feedback. Um, Jessica Smith said she hired a VA and... Um, yeah, she still has a fax number also. So that's funny. And then and then Catherine of Title Event Consulting, she had a comment earlier about what we were talking about with um, in regards to like branding for yourself versus branding for your ideal client. And she yep. says that she notices this a lot in the event space is that we end up branding for ourselves and not for the actual point of doing the branding in the first place. So yeah, I think everyone's on board. I think this is so full of great information. So guys, please take up the opportunity to connect with Jessica. And yep. otherwise, we'll see you next time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Have a awesome weekend, ladies. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. For more information, please visit mkwcreative.co slash kmapod or follow along on every social media channel at mkwcreative.co. Also, don't forget to join the Facebook group by the same name, Kiss My Aesthetic, and to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Catch you next time.